Hi, this is Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds. And I'm Carly Malcolm, lead for North Carolina Fellow for Guilford County from the UNC School of Government. And welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. Have you ever lost a loved one and had to figure out what to do? Have you ever felt alone and overwhelmed? Did it make you wonder why on earth this is all so complicated? In this podcast series, we bring together community partners to talk unapologetically about issues of death and dying. We answer questions about funerals, hospice, estates, and more to give our listeners the knowledge they need to make decisions for themselves and their loved ones. We want everyone in Guilford County to know that they're supported, that we live in a community where we cannot only live and live well, but when we die, we can also die well because we care. So we thank you for joining us for the Good Grief Podcast and for taking this step to be better prepared for end-of-life challenges. Welcome to the Good Grief Podcast this week. I'm Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds, with Carly Malcolm, who is the NC Lead Fellow from the uh, UNC Institute of Government who's here. And uh, this week we have a special guest, Mr. Robert Garcia. Robert is an account executive with Trellis Supportive Care, headquartered in Winston-Salem. Robert has been with Trellis for about 10 years. He's uh, been involved in a number of counties in this region. He is the current chairman of the Winston-Salem Transit Authority, chairman of the board, uh, ambassador with the Davie County Chamber of Commerce, and he understands a number of of issues as it relates to seniors and adult care. One of the things is the HIPSS healthcare industry professionals serving seniors. We'll ask about and talk about with him, and uh, he's the president of that organization. Thank you very much for being with us today, Mr. Robert Garcia. Well, thank you very much for having me. All right. Yeah, you and Carly connected, and I'm, I'm, how did you all meet? Where did your passion for this kind of work begin? Well, we met at one of our networking events she spoke at, and so I as network events are supposed to go, you're supposed to network. And I thought, I want to find out what she's doing. And so we connected, I want to say about a month and a half ago. Yep. And she told me about the podcast and invited me on. And I'd say, I'd be more than happy to come talk about the issues that are confronting, of course, our senior population. And, and also, too, in the healthcare industry a little bit as it pertains to what we do at Trellis Supportive Care. Yeah. So let's get into that. What do you do at Trellis Supportive Care? What communities does that organization serve? Okay. Well, I'm an account executive, and I've done a little bit of everything in my 10 years. Uh, Right now, my main focus is community outreach and awareness. I've also called on referral sources, i.e. hospitals, doctor's offices, uh, assisted living, skilled nursing facilities. Uh, I think I said doctor's offices, but right now it's community outreach and awareness, where I reach out to the community, whether it be large businesses, county governments, city governments, civic groups, where I go and I and I do uh, workshops for them. Uh, I can do a series of workshops depending on what their needs are. I can do advanced care planning workshops. I can talk to them about how to be their own healthcare advocate, how to speak to their doctor. I certainly do the hospice, what used to be referred to as a hospice 101 or just a basic overview of what hospice is. So I can tailor it to most any group depending on what they need. So generally, or I guess more expansively, what services are offered by Trellis Supportive Care as an organization? Sure. A little over two years ago, we rebranded to Trellis Supportive Care. We were formerly Hospice and Palliative Care Center. We're very proud to be the very first hospice in North Carolina. And we're very proud to be a nonprofit agency, I might add. It started off, of course, in Winston-Salem. That's our main headquarters. And as the need grew, we grew to 13 counties. And we have regional offices up in Walnut Cove. Stokes County, we have an office in Moxville in Davie County and another office in Salisbury in Rowan County. 
So through those three outlets on our main campus in Winston-Salem, we're able to serve 13 counties. So you're looking from Rockingham, Stokes, Surrey, on down to, I guess, Cabarrus and Stanley counties in that 13-county region mm-hmm. um, that it covers Guilford and Forsyth, as you mentioned. People may not understand trellis when you first begin talking about it, but they do understand hospice. <laughs> so when a person has to deal with hospice, what does that mean? It's a very good question. We like to refer to it as when people hear the H word. <laughs> the H word. The H word. <laughs> hospice. Hospice by definition. Hospice is a form of medicine. It's end-of-life care. When somebody has been given a terminal diagnosis, they've also been given a prognosis of six months or less. And the next key there is that they're no longer seeking curative treatment. There's so many myths and misunderstandings about hospice care. And one of them is, let's say today's Wednesday. Somebody gets a call and they think that if they come under hospice care on Wednesday, that it's 24, 48 hours away, which is so not true. Granted, that can happen. But I always refer to the fact that when we get letters back from families, 95, 98% of them always say, we wish we had called sooner because the care is there for them. The circumstances are already put forth. The diagnosis, the prognosis is already there. And so hospice care is just that. It's end-of-life care. It's a specialized field. Our physicians, our medical director, our nurses, nurses' assistants are all trained in end-of-life care. And in many situations, we tend to equate palliative care and hospice care together. What's the difference between the two? Good question. And that's one of the main reasons we took out hospice and palliative care because a lot of people were using that in their name also, and they never said care center, but there is a difference. So let's say on this wall to my right, this big wall is palliative care. And this is, I'm stealing this from our medical director, Dr. Michael Laylor. And in the middle of that, you do a small square and that's hospice. Hospice is all about palliative, but not vice versa. Palliative by definition means to ease and comfort, pain and symptom manage. And when we practice palliative care, it's during serious illnesses. When people are still seeking curative treatments, but through their aggressive treatments, the symptom management that comes along with that, that we can assist with. There is a big difference between just palliative care and hospice care. Hospice has palliative all over it, but not vice versa. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So when we spoke earlier, you told me that the majority of people who need hospice don't end up getting it because they're afraid of that end, like you were talking about. Um, And that's one of the things that you address in your informational visits. Yes. So how do you address that with patients and their families? Very honestly, because they've already heard it. Here's what happens. Someone will have the discussion with their physician, and it is brought up. And like I said, people hear the word, they hear the term, and normally they will leave out of there, and um, it's not a very easy pill to swallow. It's not very easy to take in. So. All of a sudden, they start relying on their memory or maybe past experiences with other family members or other friends or families in regards to hospice. So there's a lot of questions. One of the things that we find to be so helpful is when people call and we say, we'll be more than happy to do an information visit. And that's exactly what it is. Before I got here this morning, I did an information visit with a family member. I visit with a patient and the family members and completely review all of hospice with them. What uh, comes with hospice services, what our agency provides for us, what transpires, how it happens, how it's paid for, all the details, and I do it very slowly, very concisely, and allow them to ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. in a setting that they're comfortable in, and then let them make the decision. Because it truly is, it's a decision that people make. From a standpoint of their diagnosis and their prognosis, like I said, that's already been put in place. I, I automatically, as I like to say, I put the elephant right there in the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, they already know that. 
and then I let them know. But then I have, everybody's different. Every family's different. Uh, there's different viewpoints on end-of-life care, depending on age. That's the other thing. Sometimes people think that hospice is always about elderly people. We do everything from pediatric hospice care all the way up. There's different ages, different cultures, different backgrounds, different religious beliefs. So you have to cope with a lot of these different entities uh, when you're talking to people. They all have different viewpoints. A lot of times it's, a, it's just listening and then giving them the facts to work with and then answering their questions and making them comfortable with saying, I understand now, I'd like to proceed and receive services. Yeah, and one of the populations that you specifically work with during your informational visits is Hispanic patients mm -hmm. and families. Um, so do you see any challenges in terms of language or cultural barriers and differences? Oh, very much so. Of course, with the language barrier, we're very fortunate in the fact that we have language lines, and we also have some people in our clinical team that are bilingual. My job, I help them out in bilingual situations where I can go and help them. But in information visits, it helps a great deal because there's different Latin cultures, especially here in our triad region, and different people have different viewpoints of end-of-life care. What somebody in, in Cuba might think of end-of-life care, somebody in Venezuela has a different outlook, or people from Mexico, or people from Chile or Colombia. So there's a lot of challenges there in trying to understand that. Can you talk to us a little bit about HIPSS? I think I mentioned it as the healthcare industry professionals and supporting seniors. What can you tell me about that group? HIPS. HIPS is a great group. It started off in Winston-Salem. and It's a networking group of professionals with hospice agencies, home care agencies, assisted living facilities, skilled nursing facilities, people in different physicians' offices, anybody dealing with elderly. And so they started that in Winston-Salem, and then an offshoot of them started in Davidson County. And I work a lot in Davidson County, and I started in with them, and then I ended up becoming the vice president, the president of the group. I just relinquished my presidential duties about two months ago. It's a great group, <laughs> and it's networking people, and much like there's one here in Greensboro called TRAL, a Tri Retirement Living Association. That was where y'all met, right? Right. Yes. And when you take these people in, in this networking group, they are so passionate about what we do. We're all in it for the right cause. Yeah. And yeah. so we help each other out. If we don't have the answers, I'll, I might say, well, call my friend so-and-so at this particular agency, maybe a home care agency or at a memory care unit. And so we help each other out. We're always referring to one another, trying to help out families. Yeah. And so you also teach workshops on advanced care planning. You were kind enough mm -hmm. to invite me to one of them. So what do you hope for participants to take away from those workshops? The importance of having your advanced directives done. Uh, and, of course, advanced directives, just so that everyone knows, is your living will and choosing a health care power of attorney. A health care power of attorney is different than a, your durable power of attorney. A health care power of attorney is someone that you have chosen to speak for you in a health care situation where you cannot speak for yourself. It's as simple as that. We hope that we never have to use anyone. But in the event that that comes up, you have chosen someone to do that. And the living will has to do with end of life or prolonging life in those situations where they're decisions that you make and that you've listed out, much like you would list out things that you wanted in your will, how you want things to transpire after your death. Well, in a living will, there are certain things that you might not want your life prolonged because of maybe you have advanced dementia and they don't think that it's going to get any better. Do you really want your life prolonged? And with life-sustaining measures, i.e. resuscitation, respiratory assistance, that type of thing. Uh, so these are the decisions that you make in advance. They're noted. They're posted. They're very simple to fill out. Uh, you saw it on the workshop. Mm -hmm. Two sheets. And then the third one is your signature line where you just have to get it notarized. 
and then just get it to all the right people. Yeah. Physicians, offices, hospitals, your family, and let everybody know. And you hope, like I say, I always tell people, you hope that you never have to use it, but it's there. Because there's so many times where you might be in a situation, let's say in a hospital, where there's a lot of people trying to make a decision for that person that's lying in bed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a little dynamics going on. But if you were to ask that person what they really wanted, it might be totally different than what they're talking about. Yeah. So this just takes the burden off of your loved one's shoulders. And you heard me during that workshop, it's what you want right? or don't want. It's so great that you're doing those workshops because one of the things that we're learning in all these podcasts is when you're dealing with end-of-life issues, what we all ultimately want is for that person who is going through that to be the center of the decision-making in terms of what are their wishes. Yes. And what you're explaining with these advanced care directives mm -hmm. and the power of attorneys and living wills, all those kinds of things are a part of what is extremely important when we find ourselves in those situations and or we're caregivers for people right. in those situations. And unfortunately, we live in a society where we don't like talking about death and dying at times and or we don't talk about it until we're faced with it up close right. and personal. And so I really appreciate the work yeah. that, that you do in sharing that knowledge because okay. it is really important. We really want to encourage everyone who listens to these podcasts to do that planning work. Definitely be working to have sessions to get more detail with that. And one important thing, if I may, just on that one note, is that there's no age limitation on this. A lot of times people think, oh, you have to be a certain age to do your advanced directives. I tell people, if you're 25 years old, married, and have a child, you should have your advanced directives done. You can change them whenever you want to change healthcare power of attorney or maybe some things on your living will. So it's not an age-specific thing. Our tagline is, and by the way, GodPlans123.org is a great website that we developed. Uh, some years back that you can go to. There's great uh, videos and testimonials, and you can even pull the documents off of it, and that's GodPlans123.org. But our tagline is, we plan for marriages, we plan for retirement, we plan for babies, but we don't plan for these healthcare situations, and that's what this is about. Yeah, and as someone who, who took that workshop with you, I'll confirm, I knew how important it was to have those things, but it seemed like a very daunting task. Um, and after going through that workshop and, you know, you explaining really just how simple it is, it, it seems much more doable. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, especially younger people, probably everybody in this room, when I ask, who's got life insurance? And everybody will raise their hands. Well, <laughs> and I always say, why? <laughs> <laughs> they go, well, and then they get it. Yeah. This is just planning. You hope you, you know, this is just taking care of things for you. Robert, you know, a good friend of mine, Reverend Odell Cleveland, wrote a book mm -hmm. that we're going to be interviewing him related to a podcast, but this whole concept of caregiving, I think, is a, is a really important concept. And in your role with Trellis, what are some things you see related to the needs of both getting the information you need as a caregiver, being in that orbit? Yes, it's so important, caregiver. And I'm young enough to remember that when uh, you never heard that term. And nowadays, you hear it a lot. Uh, you see people that are maybe in their upper 40s all the way to maybe their close to their retirement age, thinking about, oh, the next phase in life. And then all of a sudden, they're confronted with the care of their mother, their father, maybe their aunt, their mother-in-law, their father-in-law, whoever the case might be, and that's been put upon them. One of the things that we do, not only through our agency, and of course with Odell, he talks about it in his book, our networking groups that I talked about earlier, is getting people to plan ahead, to take that look. Now, they'll say, well, my dad doesn't want to talk about it right now. Well, Okay, that's an uncomfortable subject maybe, but it's one where you want to prepare. That if they are reaching that age, that you've got all the details on hand, that you've got them written out, that they've got the healthcare power of attorneys, maybe the durable power of attorneys. What does mom want? What does dad want? 
What policies are in place? How do we have to do it? Because when it comes upon you, it's like a tidal wave and you're scrambling. So maybe you're 53 years old and you're taking care of uh, your parent. You're working, you have children in college, maybe you still have some in high school, whatever the case might be. And then all of a sudden you're having to find out all this information on how to take care of your loved one that maybe has just been determined that they need a memory care unit because they have a form of dementia, that they might have Parkinson's all of a sudden. What do we do? Oh, I've heard about that. What is that? What is this? You know, and you're up at night at 9.30, 10.30 at night looking it up on a, on a computer. There's a lot of us in the industry that have these workshops that are available to you. I always stress to people, take advantage of them. The Alzheimer's Association, Parkinson's, you name it. They've all got workshops. If you go online, they're doing them now. They're doing podcasts, much like you're doing. They let people in to what it's like. And there's support groups also because yeah. support groups are great. When you turn into a um, caregiver, there's a lot of stress. There's physical stress. There's emotional stress. There's financial stress that comes with it. You know, and it's just tugging at your heart because you're caring for your mom or your dad or your loved one. And all of a sudden, you're, all, you're, you're also trying to balance some other. And maybe you might have some health issues going on. So I always tell people, just try to plan ahead. Not, not just try, plan ahead. Have that conversation. And I'll leave you with this. I spoke to a civic group one day, and they were all probably between 45 and 55 years old. And it's almost like, I always tell people, if I were to have a seminar on how to pick lottery numbers, I could fill a coliseum. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but you start talking about these subjects, and they oh, they don't want to talk about it. But I tell them how important it is, because when it comes over you, you're going to go, where do I go? Where do I turn? What? It costs that much? What are my other options? What about Medicare, Medicaid? What is, what's the differences? What does that include? I heard this. I heard that. And, uh, yeah, so just taking the time to chart the plan. Like I said at the beginning, when, when it comes to a planning for college or a marriage or a baby, you do all these things ahead of time, right? Yep. Same thing. Plan ahead. Yeah, excellent points. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Robert, we really appreciate you being with us today and talking about Trellis Supportive Care and the work that they do. Do you, off the top of your head, know the Trellis website? www.trellis. It should be on my card. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check your card. Uh, www.trellissupport.org. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trellissupport.org. Mm -hmm. Those two S's run together there with the end of Trellis and Support. That's mm -hmm. right, yeah. Thank you very much for being with us today, uh, Robert, and appreciate your work with Trellis and all you do in the in the community. And thank you all and everything that you're doing to get the word out, because that's what's so important is to get people to come to these podcasts and informational workshops to get the information. So thank you for doing it. All right. On behalf of the uh, of my cohort, uh, Carly Malcolm and myself, thank you for being here and uh, thank you for being part of the Good Grief podcast. Thank you both. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Grief Podcast. We want your feedback. You can visit our website at www.guilforddeeds.com. You can also email us at endoflife at guilfordcountync.gov or find us on Twitter with the handle at guilford underscore ROD. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and until next time, take care.